0: Doing church? How we doing? Good. I just want you to know it's going to be an awesome, awesome service today, and here's what how I know why, okay? Because I was in the back about to come up here, and my friend Monty was like, hey, do you want to get a baby fix before you get up there? And Monty knows I love babies, right? And so my friends Michael and Camille are here with baby Everett that's only three weeks old. So I went over, and I was like, hi. And he literally, with eyes closed, opens his eyes and just goes like this. And I'll just tell you, one finger went up right at me. All right? (laughs) I don't know what that means. But now I'm awake, all right? Now we're good, we're excited. It's gonna be a good day today, all right? Sin starts early, all right? That's what it is, starts early. Um, I wanna welcome you here today. If you don't know me, my name's Chris, one of the pastors here at Kesed. And I will say this, I am very excited to share today uh, preaching is a unique thing, and you come up and you you, you stand on the stage or you share with people, and you do the best that you can to align your soul, align your heart, align everything in you with the message. And But the best ones, the best ones are the ones that resonate. The best ones are the ones that you're not teaching, but you're uh, sharing testimony of. And I feel that this week uh, of a certain... Uh, topic that we see in the scriptures quite a bit Jesus sharing about the Old Testament sharing about and one that if I could be completely honest I did not have a great understanding of a week ago even I would even say uh, didn't understand at all and so I'm really excited to walk through this next kind of 30 minute journey with you hopefully all of us in a closer relationship with Jesus at the end of this more clearly understanding what it means to follow him together so i'm really excited for that so you will see my excitement for the next 30 minutes or so and i expect the same from you deal deal okay i would like to share today by sharing a uh, a short story called um the keeper of the stream okay and uh and basically i'm going to share this story and it's going to kind of function as like railroad tracks for us is we're going to use this story to set the foundation for what we're going to talk about, and then we're going to reference it several times, and you'll see once we get to the end of the story why. Okay, so the the story is called The Keeper of uh, the Stream. There once was a town high in the Alps that straddled the banks of a beautiful stream. The stream was fed by springs that were old as the earth and deep as the sea. The water was like crystal. Children laughed and played beside it. Swans and geese swam in it, you could see rocks and sand and rainbow trout that swarmed at the bottom of the stream high in the hills far beyond far beyond anyone's sight lived an old man who served as keeper of the springs he had hired he'd been hired so long ago that no one could even remember a time when he wasn't there he would travel from one spring to another in the hills removing branches or fallen leaves or debris that might pollute the water, but his work was unseen. Now one year, the city council decided that they had better things to do with their money. No one supervised the old man anyway. They had roads to repair and taxes to collect and services to offer. And giving money to an unseen stream cleaner had become a luxury that they could no longer afford. So the old man left his post. High in the mountains, the springs went untended. Twigs and branches and worse muddied the liquid flow. Mud and silt compacted the creek bed. Farm waste turned parts of the stream into stagnant bogs. For a time, though, no one in the village noticed. But after a while, the water was just not the same. It began to look brackish. The swans flew away to live elsewhere. The water no longer had a crisp scent to it that drew the children to play in it. Some people of the town even began to grow ill. All noticed the loss of sparkling beauty that used to flow between the banks of the streams that fed the town. The life of the village depended on the stream, and the life of the stream depended on the keeper. The city council quickly reconvened. The money was found, and the old man was rehired. After yet another time, the springs were cleaned. The stream was pure, children played on, again on its banks. Illness was replaced by health, and the swans even came home. The, filli- the village came back to life. The life of the village depended on the health of the stream. The moral of the story is the stream is your soul, and you are the keeper. Now, when you look to the Bible, Jesus said a few things about the soul. In Mark chapter 8, Verse 36 and verse 37, he says, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet lose their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? What good is it for someone to gain the entire world, yet lose their soul? Today, we won't even talk about the entire world. I looked it up, and last year in the United States, the gross domestic product was about $18 trillion. Okay? Anyone have $18 trillion? All right. Take me out to lunch afterwards? Yeah. It's a lot of money, right? So whenever we're reading Jesus' words like this, it's really important to go there to, to picture yourself. They're not just words you were to enter into it. So I want, I want you, you to imagine that you're sitting down at a table, and Jesus comes up to you. And on one side of the table, he slides across a check, and it has your name on it. And this check says $18 trillion. And on the other side, he slides over your soul. And he says, you have a choice. You can have whatever you want. And at that moment you have to be honest you're like how many souls can i buy for 18 trillion (laughs) dollars like i can have extra souls (laughs) or does it matter if you have a soul when you're on a jet ski right because hard to not have fun on a jet ski and jesus is saying if you grab that check and you run away with that check and you choose that money that's a bad transaction that what's on the other side of the table what i what he slid next to you your soul is more valuable than that much money. So let me ask you this question. If that's the case, and we're, I think we're all agreeing with that, Jesus said it, All right. what's a soul? Right. If, if it's that important, if it's that valuable to us, what is a soul? Deuteronomy 4.9 tells us that only... Only be careful and watch over your souls closely. Hebrews 13, 17, talking about leadership in the church. Have confidence in your leaders and be responsive to their counsel. They keep watch over your souls as people who must give account. If Jesus is teaching about this thing that is the soul, and he is saying it's the most valuable thing that you own and that you have We should probably, as Christ followers, learn about what this thing is. And so that's what I want to spend some time doing this morning is one we want to learn about the soul. All right. But we don't just want to learn what the soul is. We want to learn what our responsibility is in keeping the soul healthy and good. So let's start. um, We're going to have to start for like five minutes. Okay. I'm going to ask a little bit of permission. Okay. We're going to have to learn for like five minutes. Some of you are like, I'm done with school. Right? We have to learn for like five minutes because we have to get on the same page as to what the soul is before we can understand what it does in our bodies and our response and our relationship to it. So for like five minutes, we're going to learn. Is that good? Okay. <laughs> yeah. One of you are honest, right? That's awesome. Actually, one of you is excited to learn. The rest of you is like, I'll put up with it. Okay? I'm here. I got my coffee, we're in this, okay? So, to understand what the soul is, we have to back up and we have to understand that we live in uh, 2017. We live in Western culture and we are a long ways away from Hebrew thought, right? Which is uh, the authors of the, the Bible were, were Hebrew uh, thinkers or the, it was not Western thinkers. So we have to step back. We have to understand, okay? When we talk about a person, or a whole person, right? They're, in Hebrew thought, the core of a person is the, the idea of the will, Okay, the will is our choice and our freedom, okay, choice and freedom. So at the, at the very core of us is a will, right? You, your will was, I, uh, whether you wanted to or not, your will decided you're going to come here today, right? Uh, You made a a decision. You had choice, and you had freedom, and you came here today. Our will is what decides on January 1st, we're making some changes with what we're eating this year, right? We're going to work out seven times a day, we're going to eat nothing, and it's going to be better for us. That's our will. Our will makes decisions for us. Our will makes intentions for us. It says we're going to go in that direction, okay? as I shared earlier, I love babies and I love kids. Uh, my fiance just got back from visiting her uh, family, her sister, who just had her seventh kid, okay? Seven, yes, pray for them, please. Uh, and on top of the newborn that is there, uh, there is a 18-month-old, right? First, and what they found during the time, there, there was a few times when this 18-month-old Will so, they started to realize that I, I have one of those. Like I have, I have choice right now, right? And it's beautiful. If you've ever had kids, as you watch it develop, right? They're, like I have a choice right now. As as the eighteen month old was really excited about baby, and everyone was really excited about baby, but there became a point when eighteen month old was like taking my mom time, right? and she was jealous right? and her her will was i'm going to get into mom right i don't care what you need feeding all the above i want to get in there right and so there, but there's this idea that um, with with children especially babies and children there's this will inside of them we see them early on as parents we see i have a they have their own mind right and then we also see this with teenagers Okay, I hang out with, with most of our teenagers here at the church. Uh, I love teenagers, but there's this crazy thing that happens uh, from like age like 11 now up. Well, really the whole time, but really when they're when they're teenagers, is their little their little wills are getting like like a six pack, right? And all of a sudden, and there's a problem in the home, because always in the home, in your families, mom and dad had the will that mattered, right? And you go here then, and you do this then, and um, okay, yes, yes, okay. But then with teenagers, all of a sudden, it's like, I don't want to, right? And there's this clash that happens all of a sudden. We all have a will. That's the center of us. Finish this sentence for me, though. Okay? If the will is our intentions, the road to hell is paved with? Good intentions, okay? Here's the thing. If my will was always working right, I would always intend to do what is good and carry out my good intentions, right? If my will is working correctly, I would always intend to do what is good and carry out those. So not only would I want to do what's good, I would do it, right? Does that happen? Let's be honest. Again, we have one honest person. Yes, thank you, thank you. No, that doesn't happen all the time. But we all have a will. So on top of our will, all right, we have a mind. These are our thoughts and our feelings. Okay? Thoughts and feelings are our mind. If my mind was always working right, I would always think thoughts that are true, and I'd always have desires for that which is good. When our mind is working correctly, we're, everything we're thinking is true. Do, I, do we always think things that are true? No, let me share a quick story. When I was 22 years old, I was a brand new believer, okay? Got saved when I was 21 years old. 22 years, it was actually my birthday, it was on a Saturday night, all right? But this whole Christian thing was pretty new to me and I was trying to, with everything in me, follow Christ and and align my life with his teachings and be in community and everything else. But here's the thing, I lived from like 18 to 21 in college and I lived, when we got together for a birthday, we celebrated it a certain way, okay? And as a brand-new believer, I was like, what do you people do, right? Like, I don't don't know what to do, right? All my friends were, like, at church or doing something, and I found myself as a 22-year-old, okay? And some of you guys that are younger in the room, you can relate to this. I found myself as a 22-year-old in my parents' living room with my sister and my parents and holding a cake, all right? Like I'm four, all right? (laughs) And they're like, happy birthday to you, and I'm like, and I promise, I'm like, this is my life now. Like, this is it. This is what I do. And for the next two, I'm not kidding. For this is about f- like six o'clock at night. For the next two hours, I am just like, I don't. Why do I want to follow Christ? Like, this is dumb. These new friends that I have, uh, my old friends, they did something for me on my birthday. I never spent, like, I, I stopped spending my birthdays alone, only with my parents. Right when I was like uh, 13. Right, like it was. This is different. I don't want to go back to this, right? And I, I spent two hours. Any, anyone else an overthinker, right? Any overthinkers in there? <laughs> yes. We need a support group, all of us, right? <laughs> That's me. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm doing this lapse in my brain about what I'm like. These people don't love me. They're doing something else. I should go back to what I knew. Everything else. And then two hours later, I get a phone call from my friend Jared, and he said, "Hey, man, I just got off work. It's your birthday. You know, can I, can I buy you dinner?" And I was like, "Oh, okay." yeah cool all right still a little bit inside like just din- that's all we're doing today All right, just dinner he picks me up and he says hey wait i have to stop by holly's house on the way and drop something off so um let's go do that okay and we go over there and he goes come say hi to holly and so we go in and like most you know surprise parties happen open the door and surprise right so here's the thing for two hours I spun around this idea that I'm not loved, all right, that I'm alone, that this is my plight for the rest of my life, you know. I'm just, I, my mom was here first service, too, and I had to be like, I'm sorry, mom, but this is true, all right. I love you, <laughs> but I also love friends. <laughs> I spun around that continuously to this point. I worked myself into a frenzy, right, believing what wasn't true, right. Our mind is our thoughts and our feelings, right? What we want to do is, is align our will with our minds, right? What we want to do, we want to align it with our, our uh, thoughts and our feelings. If my mind was always working right, I would always think thoughts that are true and I'd always have desires for that, which is good, but we don't do that. Just keep that in mind, okay? So we have a will, we have a mind, and outside of that, we have a body. This is our appetites and this is our habits. Okay? Appetites and habits of my body, instead of working together with my will and my mind, often end up enslaving them. Here's an example. You're here right now, and your will and your mind are saying, I am so into this message. I'm going to learn today. I'm going to grow today. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit uh, work in my life. And your body's like kind of want to go to sleep right now. Like, I'm not fully awake right now. Like, some of you uh, are a little bit like that. Like, I'm trying. There's this little battle that's going on right now inside of you. This can be over food, right? I love food, and I love it so much. I think it's one of the greatest things that God's ever given us. I don't understand. If we do things a lot of times uh, with our middle schoolers about, like, pick what superpower would you have? And I have the one that would win, all right, all the time. My superpower would be that any food is healthy, right. I don't care about flying. I don't care about being the Hulk. I don't care about any of the other stuff, right? You can have it. I just want to eat whatever I want whenever I want, right? And so, but here's the problem. I can go on a journey where my will says, I'm going to eat healthy. And my mind says, we're going to buy this and we're going to do this. We're going to food prep this. And then I can get around pepperoni pizza. And my body goes, I win right now, right? We want to align these things. If my body was always working right, I would always hunger for what is good and my actions would satisfy that hunger. If my my body was working as it should, the things that I want, that I desire, the appetites that I have for my body um, would be good. And then I would also do that as well. Our will is really good at big decisions. Okay. Our will makes the decisions to go where we go, to do what we do. Our will makes our decisions for our spouse, for uh, what church we attend, what job we have, right? But our will is very terrible at overriding attitudes and habits of the body. Anyone that started a new diet knows how this feels. Anyone that's tried to, to change something in your life knows how this feels. When I, I'm trying to make, I, all right, I made a decision. I'm not doing that anymore, right? And then we get a week later, or two weeks later, or three weeks later, and that behavior hasn't changed. One of the hardest things about spiritual formation is that we think, I just have to try harder with my will. We come to church on a Sunday, and uh, the message is preached, and maybe you feel conviction out of it, and there's something that needs to change. There's something that you need to do more of, something you need to do less of. There's someone you need to share with, right? There's a change that needs to happen, and you decide, okay, I'm going to... It's never worked before, but I'm just going to try harder this week, and then what happens? Maybe you've left church before, and you're like, I'm going to spend this week, and I'm going to wake up early, and I'm going to read my Bible. And you get like three days into that. Or you're going to spend time in prayer each day. Right? Or you're going to be a part of a small group right, for like two weeks. Right? Here's the thing. And I'm, what I'm hoping, actually, is today's a little bit of freedom for you. Where most of us just sit alone and we think, okay, I'm not doing it. And we then feel this shame and this guilt and we have this, this pressure to hide because we don't want to show that brokenness because we're failing. And what I'm hoping is today brings freedom because we're, most of us try to change our behavior and transform directly out of our will. We're just going to try harder. And Jesus is teaching us something different. One more thing, our relationships. All right, we have our will. We have our mind, we have our body, and outside of that our relationships. We won't spend a lot of time here. Our relationships are our connections and our attachments. Our relationships are how what's going on in my will, mind, and body connect to the outside world, all right? The connections and attachments that I have to things and to people, right? So here's the idea of what a soul is. The soul is all of this, all right? The soul is the whole stuff. Put the other one right back up, Ryan, with the soul. I need to visually understand this, okay? When Jesus says, I want to give rest to your soul, right? He's not just saying, I want to give rest to your will or your mind or your body or your relationships. He's saying, I want to bring rest to all of this, right? Every single bit of you is working right now. Now, what we have to understand is Jesus knows our hearts. He knows that most of us are out of alignment. This is alignment. This is what a healthy, cared-for soul looks like. This is the stream in the story when the man is taking care of it, right? This is what we are to look like. But the problem is we get out of alignment, right? Our will tells us one thing. Our mind tells us another thing. um, But maybe our bodies are acting in a different way, and we have this choice continually. Do I let other people see this? Or maybe we're not even aware of it. We're really good as people um, not being aware of what's happening in us. Dallas Willard says, What is running your life at any given moment is your soul. Not external circumstances, not your thoughts, not your intentions, not even your feelings, but your soul. The soul is that aspect of your whole being that correlates, integrates, and, and enlivens everything going on in the various dimensions of the self. The soul is the life center of human being so jesus is saying i'm not going to talk about the surface level stuff what i want to give you rest for is the very core of you now i wonder if you would say you're at rest right now i wonder if there's a part of you that that knows it isn't in rest when we don't have every bit of us in alignment and what this alignment does is connects us with god when we don't have part of it and th- if there's some area of your life that you should be doing and you're not, or that you shouldn't be doing and that you are, right? Like I said before, we're pretty good at ignoring this for a bit, but if you were to truly look at it, if you were to put a mirror before you and, and uh, look at all of your life and, and be naked, there'd be a part of you that doesn't feel rest. There'd be a part of you that is anxious. There, there'd be a part of you that is on working overtime, and it shouldn't be. And Jesus is saying, listen, the life I have for you The life I have for you is living in this rest, is aligning every single bit of you from the things that you want to do to the thoughts that you have to the things that you do with your body to the relationships you find out in. And when we get out of alignment in these areas is when we don't have rest for our soul. And that's what Jesus wants to bring us. Now, a few examples of this. Say you're a Christ follower and your will is to be a Christ follower, and your mind is making decisions to be a Christ follower, and you're learning things with your mind, and you're, you're believing truth, and, um, and your body uh, is even making those decisions. You're aligning with everything that Jesus says to do with your body. But the relationships that you have in your life do not align with being a Christ follower. Then what Jesus is, would say is you're not at rest. I had a great conversation with my friend this week for an hour in a parking lot. And these are some of my favorite conversations in life, the ones that just happen organically. You start talking about life and Jesus and God, and you forget what time it is, and you forget what's going on, because this moment matters. And he started sharing with me that he went through our Rooted program, and he's really excited about what God's doing in his life. And he's been waking up, he's been reading the Bible every morning, he's been praying every morning, he's trying to be more present at home. All right. And he's saying, and I've been doing this for about the last four months now. And he's like, but I kind of come to this place where I'm a little bit content, so I need to know what's next, All right? He so said, what's next, right? I'm doing these things, and what's next? And I, I sat there for a second, and I was kind of like more of the same. You know, we we get to this place where we're not content, and we want a new hill to climb as Christ followers. And Jesus is saying, i If you would give time enough to be aware of what's going on in you. And for a lot of us, we do things like rooted or or Bible studies. And we begin to have that subtle alignment. Maybe you went to youth camp as a kid. And you quieted your soul and your mind a little bit. And your heart and everything in you a little bit. And you felt that feeling, right? Maybe you've just had these little moments of your life where everything seems to be in alignment. And Jesus is saying, that's where I want you to stay. That's the place I want you to stay. Now, what he also wants to be, us to be very, very aware of is when we get out of alignment. We are able to, as human beings, get out of alignment and make excuses and even lie um, in a way that's, that's kind of crazy uh, for us. I want to talk about that a little bit today. Um, <coughs> what gets us out of alignment is sin. Sin. Okay, as Hebrews 12 tells us, um, Hebrews 12 tells us, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we have a race as Christ followers that we are to run individually and corporately. And the the things that are going to keep us from that race are every weight and every sin. Real important that we understand this. When we talk about sin in the church, most of us go, yeah, share it, preacher. They need to hear it, right? Not we need to hear it. This verse is talking about something even on the side of sin. And let me explain. Weight and sin when we understand this. In a room this size, in a room this size, the odds that someone who grew up in an abusive home are very high, Right? if you grew up in a physically abusive home, if you grew up in a sexually abusive home, if you grew up um, in a verbally abusive home. Uh, Maybe no one has said this to you before, but that's not your fault. It's not your fault. God weeps over that. His heart breaks over that. Your friends and family break, their hearts break over that. But if you look statistically at the people that are verbally abusive sexually abusive um physically abusive in their homes it's the people that experience that earlier on in their own lives and so that there becomes a point in your own life right we have to realize this weight that i have around my neck i've had this experience and it has hurt me or it has wounded me if left not cared for if left not addressed if uh, if left not brought before jesus and the holy spirit if left um out of alignment with everything else in me, right? I wanna tell myself that I'm a really healthy human being and I want my mind to say the same thing and I want everyone else to look at me and say the same thing. That's the will that I want for myself. But I'm not, right? Then we're out of alignment. We get broken and this is what sin does. We have to realize, we have to realize that for us as Christians, This is a hard thing to say, but these weights that we carry tend to turn into sin. They tend to find a way to turn into sin. They they find these little areas and pockets, and what we know about sin is that it grows, right? These little areas. I had a friend that tried to sell me windows once, and his sale pitch, and this is a true sales pitch, was that if you were to look at your house, and an older home with older windows, and if you're at, maybe you've, you've lived in an old home before, and you could put your hand up to like a seal on a door or a seal on a window, and you can feel some air coming in, right? And what he said is if you were to add up all the spaces in the entire house that is letting air in, it would equal an entire open window, right? An entire open window. We, as Christ followers, right, we have so many small pockets of our area, of our life, that we can feel these little air coming in, little air coming in, but we have told ourselves there's a certain level that's just okay. There's no, no need to be alarmed in this, and what Jesus is saying is actually, that's f- we need to have full alarm. Do you remember our story? Right? When did it change for the people in the town? When did they make a change? When the people got sick. Right? They didn't make a change when the swans left. They didn't make a change when the kids stopped playing. Right? When they could have. And this is the continual story. We see this, I've seen story after story of this, and most of you have in your life as well. Families are destroyed, marriages are ended because there was a brokenness that started as a seed. And so many people, that their intentions were good, but there's this pocket of life that is out of alignment, whether it's what we do with our bodies, what we believe about ourselves, what we, what we truly desire to do. Jesus wants those things in alignment, but when they're not, they tend to snowball and grow to a place that somebody gets sick. And that's, this is the hard thing about pain, is pain is a change agent. Enough pain and you'll change. What we want, what Jesus is teaching us to do is to get very aware of the small levels of pain in our life and respond accordingly and not wait until someone gets sick. We don't want to wait until someone gets sick. There's a book um, by a Duke professor, Dan Aureli. It's called The Honest Truth About Dishonesty. How we lie to everyone, especially ourselves. And what we have to do in this room, we have to admit the areas, even the small areas, that we're not honest to others we're not honest to ourselves and we're not honest to God. And he says, research shows how widespread people's tendency people have tendencies towards cheating, lying, and self-centeredness. And he says that we are driven by two main motivations. One is that we all want selfish gain. Now when I say that, you're probably like, not me. That's somebody again. That's somebody else's sin. I don't have I don't have selfish motivations. I don't want selfish gain. Let me ask you that or let me share this. He said that we want it so much that under the right conditions we are willing to lie to get what we want. Right? We're willing to lie to get what we want. And again, you're saying that's not me. I'm not willing to lie to get what I want. I have pure motivations. Okay. Uh, how's this? We have in our will a desire to be seen as a really good person. That's the second motivation. One, we want selfish gain. Two, we want to be look in the mirror and think really well of ourselves. So we have this dilemma that happens, right? When you show up late somewhere and you say, Oh, traffic. And there wasn't really traffic when someone says did you get my text message and you're like i haven't seen it yet did you did you see my email right i haven't seen it yet or maybe you've said this one before my alarm didn't go off when it really did go off and the truth was and it's a small one truth was you just snoozed four times you thought you had enough time you did hit a little bit of traffic and you were late but that would be the truth but here is the problem. And here's what the researcher finds. And this is where our amazing cognitive flexibility comes into play. Thanks to this skill, as long as we cheat by only a little bit, we can benefit from cheating and still view ourselves as marvelous human beings. Jesus is saying every little bit needs to be repented of. Have you ever repented of fibbing on an email? Or is it sure, right? This is so convicting. I'll go first, right? So convicting. Did you you see that email? No. Or see that text message? Right? I have literally gotten a text message before and I was busy and saw it but didn't really see it. You know what I'm talking about. You just saw it. You didn't have time, mental acuity to give time to it yet. And then when they asked me, did you see it? I go, no. And then part of me is like, well, I didn't really see it, right? But the, the thing about it is this. Jesus is saying that right there needs to be drugged before me. Right? And we don't count that as minimal. See, there are no minimal sins. Once I get to a place where I'm, I'm okay with allowing the, that level of lying, then the natural tendency of the human kind is to allow the next kind and the next kind. And the next, time. and what, where, this goes, where this ends up happening is normally it happens in one area. So it just happens in our body and what we do with our body. It just happens in the husband that looks at pornography. But in his will, he's I want to be a good husband that honors my wife. And in my mind, I still tell myself the truth that I'm a really good husband, but my body is not doing that. But the belief is if I just keep this right over here, it'll be okay. If I keep this and we don't deal with it, it'll be okay. This could go in any area of life. This is where we continually drag our whole selves before Jesus and say, can you you tell me what you see? This is why we gain and we enter into meaningful and and true and real and truth-telling community where we ask people to tell me what you see. What do you see in me right now? What in my life is not aligned with the story with my will desires to tell? I sat with a wonderful friend couple of weeks ago and I don't know a lot but I'm learning to know um, that I my body has limits and I didn't know this for a long time I was the push through it guy work 100 hours a week kind of person and I'm learning to know that my body has limits and I got to sit with a, a dear friend um, that was working really hard and I got to basically share you need to stop you need to slow down right in my life or in your life that you're doing so much and it's so good but it's really clear that your body Right, is the thing that's going to crack. It's not aligned. Everything else is saying I can continue. Your body is giving some very real signs that you cannot continue with what you're doing. Right? You could look at this in so many different ways. The beautiful part of this, though, guys, is that we have a God who's saying, I want to care for your soul. Not look at what you're doing, but listen, I want to give you a level of rest that you've never experienced before. Maybe you've had a taste of it. He's saying, I want you to live here. This is the place I want you to spend your entire life. But here is the, the huge truth. I am not the keeper of your soul. Jesus is not the keeper of your soul. Your psychiatrist is not the keeper of your soul. Your best friend, your spouse is not the keeper of your soul. Jesus is the savior of your soul. Is the healer of your soul. But this is what we all, this is the big idea here today. You are the keeper of your soul. It's no one else's responsibility to keep your streams clean. You can invite people. You can put yourself in situations that are really good that cause you to clean it, right? That cause you to continually look at what areas and attitudes and behaviors and appetites that you have in your whole being. What truth am I listening to right now? What what lie do I continue to, to believe? But at the end of the day, it's no one else's responsibility but yours. And the Christ follower stands up and says, I'll take that. I'm not sure how to do it. I need help. That's p- our souls need. They need. We need friends. We need fellow believers. We need other people that are going to speak into our lives. We need to believe and trust, though, that the small areas of our life that we're ignoring right now that we have, maybe not outwardly, maybe never even looked at it deep enough to say that's not a big deal. Maybe you're able to compartmentalize that well, where that little thing in your life, and I think you know what I'm talking about too, because the Holy Spirit does. It's kind of tapping on your shoulder right now. Whether it's the relationships that you have, whether it's, um, you can go as far in this culture as the things that you watch, right? Does all of this align with the will, with the choices that I'm making for myself, with the story that I want to tell Chris Potter, this guy? The story that I want to tell with my life, does everything else align with that story? Jesus is saying, if there's something in your life that doesn't align with that story, we give it attention now. We don't wait. We don't wait for the stream to get to a point where it starts making people sick. And all of us know someone, a family that's destroyed now, a marriage that's destroyed now, lives that are shattered and broken now because people decided and made decisions in their life, this will get better on its own. And it won't. My last little soapbox that I want to step on, church, is this. I think it's completely understandable why so many people wouldn't want to confess these things. I don't know i i wonder if you're a safe place for someone to share failure i wonder if i am i wonder if grace unmerited favor unearned love is what resonates in us or is it judgment all right i wonder if the church is a safe place for others to crumble and to fall and to admit the places that that they're out of alignment maybe that we've been living out of alignment for years and I think some of it's honestly like we weren't truly aware. And when Jesus brings us into awareness, the Bible says, awake, O oh sleeper, wake up, right? And we start seeing clear for the first time. I have talked to so many people and I felt it myself like I couldn't share that. How would they think of me? How would they look at me? I, you know what the best thing to do? The best thing to do is just keep this under wraps, all right? I'm going to trust that that's going to be better. But again, when we have pockets of our life that are secret, we enter into exactly what broke this world in the first place. Adam and Eve naked before God in perfect relationship. And when sin happened, instead of going before their father and saying, this is what I've done. This is what happened. They hid. And this is not where real, authentic relationship happens. One of the beautiful byproducts of a cared for soul is healthy relationships. Because you no longer have anything to hide. You're giving your full self. It doesn't mean everyone ever needs to be know everything about you, but you have this pocket of friends. You look at um, the example that Jesus set for us, the practices that he kept to keep his soul centered. He prayed regularly. He had close, a close circle of friends. He engaged in regular corporate worship. He fed his mind with scripture. He enjoyed God's creation. He welcomed little children. He hugged and blessed them. He enjoyed spending time with even non-religious types so he stayed away from just an echo chamber. As long as you are a Christ follower, I I look and I see in this culture this yearning and this want to find other ways to draw close to God, other microwaved ways. As much as I love food that I can be reheated, there's nothing like making it the first time. You cannot microwave the beautiful things in life. You cannot microwave intimacy. You cannot microwave grace. You cannot microwave love. These things all need attention and they need care and they need to be looked at and they need to be processed through. And often that is a hard journey and that is one, um, requires one, our whole selves, then two, our, our willingness to admit failure. But the Bible tells us, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. It all makes sense. This week I had this grand awakening to what Jesus is inviting us into is this whole self. Where I am at rest. I want so badly to be at rest. I want it with my whole soul. I want it with everything in me. I want what he he shares and what he offers. I want that for myself. And I don't think that's something that we can just allow um, the right sequence of words and the right underscore and even the right song to enter us into. Most of us in our lives, we have these cues now. Okay, if a a pastor or a song or a movie can bring us to this emotion, then I'll change. So then I'm only using emotions. I'm only using my mind, right? My emotions and my feelings. But if I can align all of it, my want to, my will, my emotions, my feelings, what I'm doing with my body, my actions, and then also the relationships that help support and encourage and grow all of that, that is what real rest looks like. I want that for you so bad, and I want that for me, I want that for my son, I want that for everyone here. It's going to take a few people stepping out to do that, though. Jesus is the perfect example of someone who aligned his lifestyle with his values. The perfect example of a soul-kept life. I pray that out of this talk right now, that there are men and women brave enough to pull somebody aside. It doesn't have to happen this morning, but you need to plan it right now. Who's it going to be? There's something you may need to confess. You start with, going to go into a time of worship, you start with talking to your father and say, I've never talked about this before. I have this weight or I have this sin. Could be either, could be both. Never talked about this before, but I trust, I truly trust that for myself to be at rest, my soul to be at rest, I need to start talking about this. I need to find a place that's safe that I can start engaging in this, whether that's a safe person, whether that's a Bible study, whether that's a pastor, whether that's a psychiatrist, right? And again, no one can make that movement for you right now. No one can do that, that's you and that's your choice. In the Old Testament, there's this thing that continually happens in the the life of David and the writings of David, King David. He speaks to the soul as if it was a human being, as if it was uh, alive. Maybe you've had yearnings in your soul and you're not even sure how to say them. I, I, I know I want to get there, but I don't know how to do it. And David just starts kind of sharing. He just starts blurting out stuff. And he says things like Psalm 42, 5, why are you downcast, O my soul? So he's at least, as if his soul was right here. And he's saying, I, I feel your downcastness, your depression, your brokenness. And I'm not even sure why. But I want to at least ask the question. I want to start the conversation. Your soul is the most, um, is the deepest part of you. Jesus isn't interested in bringing rest to just one part of you. He wants to bring rest to all of you. And so we're going to close this time today um, with a time of worship. And we're going to have the team come out. But what I want to do, David would have this conversation, this man that the Bible says, the man after God's own heart. David would have this conversation regularly with his soul, and he'd say, I'd, I have these feelings, or I have these wants, or I have these appetites, or I have these fears, or I have these beliefs. And it's this, they're like right here, and he's, he's aware, like sometimes those come in and they tell me what to do, and I don't want to let them. Lord, I want to let you tell me what to do. I don't want to let your will decide what happens next in my life. And so... Um, I guess to close our time today and our worship time, my invitation for you is to start the conversation. Start the conversation of caring for your soul. Start the conversation with your Father in heaven. Start the conversation with your soul. Maybe you've never listened to those yearnings before. Maybe you've never seen that your soul requires care. And it does. And you were the keeper of your soul. I found a beautiful monologue this week this week kind of going off the idea that David would have conversations with his soul this is actually um, one of the souls speaking back and what I want to do is close our time and just would you be brave enough to just close your eyes so you could focus for a second and just listen and picture in your minds sitting at a table just listening and just listening as your soul speaks to you this important valuable piece of who you are i wonder if it would say something like this i have been waiting i'm shy i am terribly shy Even in the most boisterous person, I only whisper and I never shout. You may never even have noticed me, but I'm here, and I'm waiting. I do not lie on the surface. If you look and you listen patiently, you'll know. I speak through your confusion, through your wanting, through your hurt. When you watch a sunset or hear a child laugh, or listen to a piece of music that causes you to suddenly become overwhelmed with emotion, it is I that causes your eyes to fill. When you are addicted, it is I who is chained. When the sun burns up and the universe melts away, I will be here. I can be wounded, I can be lost, I can be repulsed, or I can be redeemed. Your circumstances actually matter far less to your happiness than you think. It is my health that makes your life heaven heaven or hell. I am your soul. Care for me as I care for you.